and you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on all your favorite directories, including iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. I love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. What a shit show from from, uh, Charleston, South Carolina last night in the Democrats' debate. Uh, They've still got six candidates it is six right yeah six candidates up on the stage and we're going to get to all of that uh, nora o'donnell and gail king presided over a, a real steel cage death match i watched it i, I have to admit i kind of enjoyed it it was awful for the democrats uh but uh, anything that's bad for the democrats the current democrat party is good for america so i took uh, some pleasure in it In the second half of today's show, we're going to be joined by Curtis Ellis, the policy director at America First Policies, and we're going to talk about America's relationship with China and how they are infecting and uh, infiltrating many of America's critical institutions. But good grief, the Democrats' debate in South Carolina, that was nasty. (laughs) There was almost nothing in the way of actual substance or anything. It was just... These six candidates on stage uh, trying to get their zingers in on each other and uh, insulting people. I I guess Elizabeth Warren would have to be classified as the meanest candidate up on the uh, the debate stage. But here's just a a little taste of what we were treated to from South Carolina yesterday. I was talking about all your programs. Radical communist idea. Do we raise this raising? Let's talk about it. Mr. Mayor, Mr. you're allowed to respond. So here's the math. No, here's the math. Senator Sanders, you're allowed to respond. And we would like to allow you to moderate, guys. talking about math, and it doesn't take two hours to do the math. Woohoo! That was good stuff. Nora and Gail just uh, lost control totally, and the the Democrats up there apparently at this point they're actually uh, mad at each other, and they spent most of the evening shouting and raising their hands like a bunch of uh, school children. There wasn't really much substance. Uh, they, they they yelled over each other. They tried to get in there. Uh, prepared one-liners against each other. And every now and then they would turn to Donald Trump and try to smear him. 
There were several lies and old Bernie, I mean, uh, old Joe Biden didn't disappoint. If you were looking for his latest gaffe, he probably committed his uh, most towering gaffe yesterday. As of this morning, Biden is still leading in South Carolina by about four points. Well, within the margin of error, Bernie Sanders is uh, in second place and he is on the move. He is, uh, he's rising in the polls at the same time. Joe Biden is, uh, is sinking beneath the waves. If he were to win it, Biden will, will, uh, call himself the comeback kid and try to paint this as a narrative that, uh, you know, his firewall is held. And now he, once again, is the odds on favorite, despite the fact that, uh, Bernie Sanders is leading in the national polls by a healthy margin. So really no one stood out last night. Uh, nobody did anything that would uh, halt Sanders' momentum. And I think he's going to continue to lead. And um, and I predict, I believe it, old Bernie Sanders is going to win in South Carolina because uh, this this current Democrat Party, it's all about who's willing to give away the most. And you really just cannot beat old Bernie when it comes to that. Nora O'Donnell opened the show actually asking old Bernie how he's going to pay for all of this stuff. And of course, he doesn't have an answer. You've proposed more than $50 trillion in new spending. You've said Medicare for all will Over cost $30 period. trillion. Dollars. But you can only explain how you'll pay for just about half of that. Can you do the math for the rest of us? How many hours do you have? Two. <laughs> Once again, you know, when he was asked on 60 Minutes over the weekend uh, to explain it, he said, well, I can't account for every nickel and dime of my $60 trillion plan. So, uh, you know, I'm not even going to try. And they're rolling into South Carolina as South Carolina has the lowest unemployment rate in the country at 2.3%. The average unemployment rate under the Obama administration, the Obama Biden administration, I should say was 8.4%. So Donald Trump has, turn the economy around nationwide and especially in South Carolina. And, uh, and now you got old Bernie up there promising to implement socialism and old Joe promise promising to take us back to the Obama economy. Here's Bernie having to admit what's going on there in South Carolina. We haven't had a national unemployment rate this low for this long in 50 years. Here in South Carolina, the unemployment rate is even lower. How will you convince voters that a Democratic Socialist can do better than President Trump with the economy? Well, you're right. <laughs> of course, Bernie's answer is, well, not everybody is uh, enjoying it. Uh, most people are living uh, paycheck to paycheck. I'm not sure if that's true. I do know that under this administration, under President Trump's uh, tax cuts and trade reform, uh, working people's wages is, are rising at a faster clip than the uh, upper classes. And in South Carolina, wages are up boffo. They're up 13% from 2017 to 2019. If you don't believe me, listen to this. The response was when Fidel came. Oh, that's not the clip. Here we go. 
Joe Biden is betting on the black community here in South Carolina to give his candidacy a bump into Super Tuesday. Black Democrats make up 60 percent of the party here. And we talk to black voters about their take on the economy before they head to the ballot box on Saturday. President Trump has been in the chair. The economy has gotten better. African-American unemployment dropped to the lowest level ever. Six months before the South Carolina Democratic primary. And black business owners are feeling the boom. The president's policies have certainly been designed in a way, I think, that has been helpful to at least beginning to give African-Americans an opportunity to sit at the table. African-Americans on average are making more money under President Trump than they were under President Obama. Hourly wages for black employees jumped 13 percent between 2017 and 2019. So the Democrats love to call Donald Trump a racist. If he's a if Donald Trump's a racist, he's the most incompetent racist in history. His economic policies and his uh, criminal justice policies and his support of black colleges have have done more for the black community than anything that took place under Barack Obama. And I'm just having a real hard time believing that um, that Donald Trump's not going to do very well among blacks. I know that there is a, a, a large percentage of blacks that are thoroughly devoted to the Democrats' plantation politics, where they feed their uh, their grievance and their victimhood. But there's a, also a, a very large portion, especially in the South of blacks that uh, have a history of self-reliance and uh, and are perfectly happy to participate in this economy uh, that is rising all boats and uh, and finally giving them a seat at the table. In that clip there, uh, you heard from a black business owner. Here's another black uh, South Carolina business owner saying that, yeah, he's a registered Democrat, but Come the general election, he's going to have a hard time not voting for Trump. Howard, just talk about uh, you put your hand up kind of slow for Joe Biden. Are you completely sold on him or are you weighing no, other I'm, people? I'm a, I'm a registered Democrat and Joe Biden would be my choice. But it doesn't mean that's who I'm going to vote for for president in the, in the election. And so can you kind of walk us through if it's Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in the general election, what your decision making process would be? As it's saying now. Uh, Trump looks looks attractive. I've made it clear I don't like Trump, but I'm looking for what's best for the country. Uh, when it comes to uh, trade, for a minute there, trade was looking pretty dim. But now it's starting to look a little brighter because he put demands down. And I, and I consider that to be uh, one of the things that I appreciate him for. That was a black voter in South Carolina that actually owns a vineyard. And, uh, of course, under these trade agreements... Finally, we're starting to get a level playing field, and uh, and I'm sure that his business is prospering very well from it. Old Joe was looking for the, the blacks in South Carolina who make up 60% of uh, the Democrat uh, primary voters to bail him out and to stop the bleeding. Actually, at one point last night, Nora O'Donnell asked him, uh, you know, if, if you don't win in South Carolina, are you going to go ahead and step down? and withdraw from the race. And Joe Biden would not uh, say that he wouldn't. He just uh, insisted that he was going to win in South Carolina. But if he's going to do it, it's not going to come from saying things like this. I guess I should set this clip up. 
this is uh, the point where Biden was attacking Bernie Sanders for having voted against um, gun grabbing laws in Congress. And then he said this. That has caused carnage on our streets. A hundred and fifty million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. (laughs) A hundred and fifty million people have been killed in gun violence since 1970. Well, damn. I did not know that. I didn't know that half the population of this country had been killed. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Wow. Maybe I need to reevaluate my whole uh, support for the Second Amendment. 150 million people. You know, again and again, Biden says things that are just detached from reality. And it wasn't like he was caught up in the moment there. He, he had to have heard himself say 150 million people. He would have thought that he would have corrected himself. Nobody else on the, on the stage corrected him either, nor did any of the moderators. We're going to look at each one of these candidates one by one at the end of this segment, but uh, we want to stick with the debate right now. Last night, Mini Mike uh, took credit for the Democrat majority in Congress. And if you listen real closely, he'll tell you exactly how he did that. Let's just go on the record. They talked about 40 Democrats. 21 of those were people that I spent $100 million to help elect. (laughs) All of the new Democrats that came in and put Nancy Pelosi in charge and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I I, I got them. Did you hear him say, I bought, and then he corrected himself? I I got them. (laughs) Yeah, well, the truth of the matter is he did buy them. And he swamped these races while the Republican National Committee was asleep at the switch and allowed these Democrats to take over uh, uh, Congress or the House and ruin uh, the last two years of uh, the Trump presidency. Bloomberg did uh, make a cardinal mistake from the Democrat point of view by admitting that Donald Trump uh, has had this one very notable success. Things that I've seen recently convinced me that the military today is better prepared than they've been in an awful long time and that the monies they are spending on the war weapons we need for the next war and not the last, a common mistake that they're not making now. They're doing a good job. Hey, a a, a bit of uh, sanity leaked through the, uh, the, the grudge match last night. Nor O'Donnell uh, asked uh, old Booty Juice a, a pretty hard question. Uh, he's all over his um, website and uh, out on, in the western states promising to decriminalize all drug possession, which is not going to play too well in South Carolina where Booty Juice is already having a very hard time uh, making any headway with the culturally conservative black voters who are not real excited about having a first man, first gentleman, I guess he would be as the, uh, the, the, in the white house. Mayor Buttigieg, you have described yourself as a moderate, but one of your policies at least goes further than some on the stage with you are willing to go. Hold on. Hold on. Did she just call 
Mayor Pete Booty Judge. He he uh, he started out this whole campaign telling people exactly how they were to pronounce his name, and it is Buttigieg, Buttigieg. And one of the memes, you know, uh, on social media is to call him Booty Judge, and I think Nora O'Donnell just did that. Let's try. Let's listen again. Mayor Buttigieg, you have <laughs> yourself as a moderate, but one of your policies at least goes further than some on the stage with you are willing to go. You have called for the decriminalization of all drugs. Does that include heroin, meth, and cocaine, some of the drugs that have contributed to this crisis? No, what I've called for is that incarceration should no longer be the response to drug possession. With all due respect, Mayor Buttigieg, on your website it says that you called for decriminalization of all drugs. Again, what I'm calling for is that we end the use of incarceration as a response. Buttigieg, Buttigieg, not Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Oh, man, we're going to get back to this. But uh, before we go on, I want to remind you to run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. And stock up on these banana bag um, oral solution that uh, is very important to have on hand should you suffer from a infection, maybe a virus, to keep yourself from becoming dehydrated and ending up in a hospital. The last place you want to be if we uh, if we have an outbreak of this coronavirus in the United States. You can get five packs of this that'll keep you uh, hydrated if you suffer from um, a a flu-like symptoms or a stomach virus. For just $15.50 with same-day free shipping, this is a solution that's loaded with a vitamin B complex, a vitamin C's, sodium, chloride, potassium, dextrose. It's not great tasting because it doesn't have any artificial or any kind of sweeteners in it. No preservatives, no artificial uh, sweeteners, no sweeteners at all, no dyes, no GMO, gluten-free. It's great for dehydration from uh, illness or overexertion or if you're feeling low on energy or if you're suffering from medical conditions or uh, if you want to prevent or cure a hangover. Run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get yours today. So Elizabeth Warren, of course, her uh, she she uh, is is the most angry dem on the stage, without a doubt. And she's taking her ire out. She's focusing her fire on Mayor uh, Mayor Bloomberg. And last night she accused him of a uh, a, a story. We don't know if it's true or not, but uh, apparently one of his um, employees, former employees, accused him of urging her to get an abortion so she could stay at work. And Warren was attacking him for that when she got back around to telling one of her favorite fables. He called me out by name and and referred to what I talk about as a sideshow. You know, this is personal for me. When I was 21 years old, I got my first job as a special education teacher. 
I loved that job. And by the end of the first year, I was visibly pregnant. The principal wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. Pregnancy discrimination, you bet. But I was 21 years old. I didn't have a union to protect me. and I didn't have any federal law. on. So this is a widely debunked lie that Elizabeth Warren Focahontas has been out there on the trail tailing. Uh, it, it turns out they have accessed the records of the school board and she wasn't fired. She wasn't replaced. She quit and left uh, the uh, the school board sort of without uh, a candidate to take her job. And they had to do a candidate search after she quit her job. Here is a clip from 2007 of Elizabeth Warren admitting what actually happened. Uh, I worked, it was in a public school system, but I worked with the, the children with disabilities. And um, I did that for a year. And then that summer, um, I, I actually didn't have the education courses, so I was on an emergency certificate, it was mm-hmm. called. And I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. Mm. And I was pregnant with my first baby. So I had a baby uh, and stayed home for a couple of years. So the fake Indian is lying again. She's lied about so many things in her biography. But uh, she is an angry feminist. Uh, Focahontas is on the war path at these, these debates trying to, I guess, out grumpy Uncle Bernie. They're both in the the socialist lane. <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard to do because uh, Bernie Sanders, for all the world, feels like a, a crazy uncle showing up at a family event, uh, you know, waving his arms and yelling at people while he praises dictators and uh, and advocates for the Marxist takeover of the U.S. economy. Here's old Bernie just a couple of days ago praising um, praising Fidel Castro. The response was when Fidel Castro first came to power, which was when, 59? Is that sound right? 59, 60. Okay. You know what he did? He initiated a major literacy program. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in Cuba at that point who were literate. Cuba? And he formed the Literacy Brigade. You may read that. He went out and they helped people learn to read and write. You know what? I think te- teaching people to read and write is a good thing. Oh, teaching people to read and write is a good thing if you don't put them up in front of a firing squad uh, afterwards. Maybe I guess Bernie is proud that they were able to read their death warrant. Fidel Castro murdered hundreds of thousands of people on the island of Cuba. But Bernie... I've yet to hear him say anything bad about him or really call him out on that. But you know who else made a habit of praising Fidel Castro? The response was when. Uh, here we go. And I, I said this to President Castro in Cuba. I said, I, look, you've made great progress in educating uh, ch- uh, young people. Uh, every child in Cuba gets a basic education. That's, that's a, a huge improvement from where it was. Medical care. You know, the, the, the life expectancy of Cubans is equivalent to the United States, despite it being a very poor country because they have access to health care. That's a huge achievement. They should be congratulated. 
Well, the life expectancy down there is because they live in a warm climate and they don't, uh, they don't suffer as many illnesses because of it. Oh, mini Mike, he's up there. He's the country club Republican oligarch who made his fortune chiseling uh, on Wall Street. Spent $460 million in ads so far, and he's not even going to be on the, on the ballot in South Carolina. And you got little Amy Klobuchar. She's sort of a, you know, milk toast moderate Democrat who is uh, busy flipping on all of her previous issues to fit in with the far left Democrats of today. And oh, I don't even know what to say about Tom Steyer. That's just an ego um, candidate as near as I can tell. Hey, we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Curtis Ellis, Policy Director for America First Policies, and talk about China right after these messages right here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, two dangerous infections are emerging from China. One, of course, is the coronavirus, and the other is the communist dictatorship. And just as a virus infects healthy organisms to replicate itself, China's Communist Party is hijacking American institutions and using them to serve its own ideology. To talk about this, we're joined now by Curtis Ellis, the Policy Director for America First Policies, and an excellent column at America Greatness. He talks about these themes. Curtis, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me there, Jim. Well, I thought your analogy between the coronavirus and communism is spot on, especially this uh, this hybrid form of communism that we see in China now. And before we get to the coronavirus, tell tell us what you mean by communism infecting our institutions. Well, I think the best example that we saw recently was what happened with the National Basketball Association, the NBA doing business inside China. And when one of the coaches criticizes the Chinese communist government for its repression in Hong Kong, the Chinese government then turns around and slaps the NBA and says, you can't disrespect us. You can't have freedom of speech. You've got to uh, spout the communist party line. Otherwise you're not going to be able to do business here. 
And lo and behold, we saw LeBron James. We saw all these uh, people who were more than happy to kneel for the, uh, uh, for the national anthem, who are more than happy to speak out against President Trump. They're afraid to speak out against the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, it's disgusting. And we see it again and again. You've got the Marriott hotels. They do a lot of business in China. They got a lot of hotels in China. Some kid somewhere in you know the social media Twitter uh, manager for Marriott hotels somewhere in Omaha, Nebraska, retweets something about Tibet, free Tibet. Chinese Communist Party picks up the phone, calls up the head of Marriott Corporation, and they fire this kid. He's probably earning $15 an hour because suddenly you're not allowed to criticize. You're not allowed to criticize China. You know, those and, are two high-profile and, and very public uh, examples you cite, but you got to wonder what's going behind, on behind the scenes as well when China uh, is funding these Ivy League institutions to the tune of billions of dollars and, uh, and our uh, big corporations are so dependent on China for their manufacturing. No, exactly right. Uh, we now see almost every day someone else is uh, rolled up, some Chinese spy is rolled up. You've got the Harvard University head of the chemistry lab is being paid $50,000 a month to funnel U.S. taxpayer research, U.S. taxpayer-funded research to the Chinese government and not telling anybody that he's doing that. This is repeated over and over again. They found 100 professors on the payroll of the Chinese government in Texas A&M University. Well, we've got research universities all across anybody. the nation that are infected with uh, these uh, Confucius institutions right there on campus acting as a conduit uh, to enforce discipline on their, uh, their exchange students and uh, to export uh, this, as you said, American taxpayer funded research and development. Yeah, exactly. You've got, there are instances where you had uh, protests against the Hong Kong repression, uh, the, the Chinese government cracking down on the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. You had some sympathy protests on American college campuses that were shut down by the college because they didn't want to offend the Chinese national students, basically, let's put it in plain English, they didn't want to offend the Chinese Communist Party. We are so dependent, so many of our universities are so dependent on the tuition being paid by the Chinese national students that they don't want to offend them, and they basically become co-opted. And we've seen this over in many different realms, uh, whether, as you say, it's the universities, whether it's our institution. Hollywood is a great example, too. Hollywood, the scripts that Hollywood, the movies that Hollywood makes and the scripts all have to meet the uh, acceptance of the Chinese censors because China is now such a big market for movies that nobody in Hollywood wants to offend the Chinese government. So you remember, you China remember China when offended. Free Tibet was a big cause celeb out in Hollywood, and Richard Gere was uh, was you know uh, meeting with the Dalai Lama, and uh, you know that was that was the big thing out there. And now that um, the Chinese uh, communists have taken over some of these uh, studios, they have nothing more to say about Tibet. Yeah, uh, you remember when Richard Gere was a big actor? He can't get hired anymore. I mean, that's the reality. He can get hired on a small independent film that doesn't expect to be distributed far and wide. 
He cannot get a job. And Brad Pitt is another one because he did a movie seven years in Tibet. And so you got to have someone like, uh, you know, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, a rebel like that will hire Brad Pitt. But there's a lot of jobs he can't get anymore because of the fact that the Chinese will not distribute a film with Richard Gere in it or anybody who is unacceptable to the Chinese line. It is really frightening. See, we were told that um, China would become more like America if we just invested and helped build up China, give them our technology, give them our jobs. Give we're getting just the opposite. As we are becoming more like them. Yep. Yeah, just the opposite. And what's really upsetting about that Hollywood, what's really upsetting about that Hollywood angle is at the same time, uh, these Hollywood celebrities that, let's face it, they do control a lot of our popular culture, are kowtowing to the Chinese communists and, and uh, bowing to their censors. They're out at every opportunity uh, slamming uh, this administration and this country and doing everything they can, can to undermine traditional values here at home. That's right. Undermine traditional values. And one of those traditional values is the value of patriotism. The, chi the, 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 the Hollywood elite, and you notice so much in the pop culture, they talk about being a global citizen and global citizen. And we don't need countries anymore. It's, you know, so passe to stand up for America. We want to stand up for all of humanity. This is a deliberate message being planted by the Chinese communist propaganda machine. And it's complete deception because if they make Americans not believe in America anymore, but start believing in this, this global mishmash, it weakens America, but I can assure you that the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, believes in China. They're just using this as a pretext to weaken our resolve to stand up to the Chinese because the Chinese uh, culture is very authoritarian. It's very nationalistic. They believe the Han Chinese, and it's very racist in a way, too. They believe the Han Chinese are superior to the rest of the world. They have a superior culture. They deserve to rule the world. And the only thing standing in their way right now is the United States of America. Nationalism and for us, globalism for you. Exactly. There you go. I'm going to use that, Jim. I like that. So uh, last night, Tucker Carlson had a, a guest on it. His name was uh, Stephen uh, Moray, Moray, I believe it was. And he, uh, he talked about the coronavirus and the possibility that this virus may have emanated from uh, a level four uh, germ lab in Wuhan, China, it was an excellent segment. It, uh, it it detailed a piece that he had run in the what in the New York Post this morning. I went to get a clip from that interview, and that interview has been scrubbed by Fox News, the the outlet that um, you know the uh, the right side of the political spectrum looks to for its information, and it it just amazes me how how uh, careful the people that are in control of our flow of information are not to offend communist China. You know, it's interesting. One of the one, not surprising, unfortunately, one of the means they use, they, the other side uses to discredit and to shut down discussion is conspiracy theory. If you just raise a question, you're immediately accused of spreading a conspiracy theory. 
And it's then you are banned, banned from the media, banned from social media. You're not banned from the Internet, essentially. Uh, there's a narrow window of things you're allowed to discuss, not allowed to discuss. What Tucker Carlson was saying in that segment, he was saying, and everybody agrees on this. Everybody. I've heard uh, Anthony Fauci from the National Institutes of Health. Every scientist says we do not know the origin of this virus. Well, I guarantee I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And I guarantee you if a major uh, virus had had uh, popped its head up, a pandemic had originated within 20 miles of the CDC there in Atlanta, Georgia, that would be a perfectly acceptable topic of conversation where that virus actually originated. Right. You know, one of the, the, one of the, I, I saw the segment you're talking about and I've read this elsewhere. The, some of the speculation is and not speculation on this case in particular, but in general is that these scientists in, uh, some of these labs are so poorly paid that they take the lab animals after they're done working on them and they go sell them at the market down the street. I think that and, was what uh, exa- I think that's exactly why that segment got scrubbed. I think that the Chinese overlords took offense to the, the that suggestion and uh, and somehow reached into the um, uh, to the Murdoch family and got it squelched. No, I have no idea about that. But the Chinese uh, take very, uh, very easy. They're easily offended as they start imprisoning two million people and harvesting organs from living prisoners and do all kinds of unspeakable things. On the other hand, they they are so easily offended when anybody criticizes them. I was with Chuck Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa yesterday, and he was saying, I'm tired of the Chinese being so easily offended. They're a 5000 year old culture. They're older than us. They're more mature than us. They ought to be able to take a little criticism. We sure can. And look at what happened. They just threw out, China just threw out the Wall Street Journal reporters, three of them. And the pretext they used was there is a headline on an op-ed piece called China is the real sick man of Asia. And the Chinese government said this is a racist headline. See, again, they're using the language that the American left uses that they know will fall for. They know the liberals in this country will fall for, oh, I don't want to be accused of racism. I dare not criticize China because that's racist. Well, the, that phrase, the sick man of Asia, was initiated first by a Chinese journalist in 1920, right? I mean, <laughs> how could it be racist if the Chinese are saying it? Well, the it, reluctance the of the native in Europe, the reluctance of the left been called the sick man of this. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the reluctance of the left to criticize communism and Chinese communism is becoming just stark at this point. You know, you had uh, Greta Thunberg uh, running all over the United States, criticizing our energy sector when, in fact, we've done more whether you believe in uh, man-made climate change or not, we've done more to reduce carbon emissions than any other industrialized nation. At the same time, China's carbon emissions have risen by 240% in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's right. And an interesting thing, I'm at this forum right now, where pointed out, you've got these Wall Street shareholder activists. BlackRock is, uh, they, they vote, they, they own institutional investors. They own huge numbers of shares and huge number of companies. They want to see comp- they want to sell their shares in companies that are uh, contributing to climate change. 
But at the same time, they're investing huge amounts of money in Chinese companies, <laughs> right? I mean, the, the hypocrisy is astounding. Uh, Greta Thunberg ought to be directing her ire at China. China's the worst offender. Anybody that cares about climate change should boycott anything made in China because it's manufactured by the most polluting industries on earth. Well, the market took about a, uh, a 3.5% tumble, the largest in a couple of years yesterday on this coronavirus panic. And it occurred to me that this is a more validation of Trump's uh, trade war and his determination to make our economy less dependent on China's. Exactly right. Uh, you have hit the nail on the head. I'll tell you, these companies that did not get out of China when President Trump told them to, because he did, he put out a tweet a couple of years ago, I hereby order all, all companies to leave China. The ones that listen to him are in better shape now because they're not dependent on China for their supplies. Uh, the ones that didn't are saying they're kicking themselves. Geez, we should have listened to that guy a long time ago. And the fake news and media he, came right out and said, well, he doesn't have the authority to do that. Obviously, they had never read the executive order that authorizes the United States to quit do uh, to quit banking with certain economies. So it, it most certainly is within his authority. Yeah, and it, and it was good advice. And as you're exactly right, look, President Trump has been strong on China. The voters love that. They respect that. And if there's any economic fallout from this uh, coronavirus outbreak and the shutdown of, uh, of, of factories in China where American companies won't be able to get the parts they need, et cetera, et cetera, the blame is going to be placed firmly on those companies that have been kowtowing to China and refuse to recognize the true nature of that regime and how dangerous it is for us to be dependent on China. President Trump has been warning about that for years, years before he was even a candidate. He's been warning that we cannot be totally dependent on China. It's time to put America first for the workers, make things here. And uh, these companies refuse to listen to that. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. Curtis Ellis is policy director for America First Policies. You can read his excellent article at America Greatness. The title is America or as China carries disease, elites carry their water. You can find him online at a1apac.org. That's a1apac.org. And you can follow him on Twitter at America First Pack. That's America First Pack on Twitter. Twitter. Curtis, thanks for joining us. Thank you. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. 
Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. Well, you can catch Curtis Ellis' columns over at America Greatness. That's at americagreatness.com. And uh, I'd urge you to do that. Uh, he is a great uh, America First patriot that uh, sort of fuses the America First movement with the uh, the labor movement and is a, uh, a, a harsh critic of our China policies. Hey, I want to remind you to uh, to reach out and let me know how you're enjoying the show. You can hit me up on Twitter at right now Jim Dawes, or if you prefer, you can send an email. The address is right now Jim Dawes at gmail.com and Dawes was spelled D-A-W-S, no E, D-A-W-S. And of course, I'd love to hear from you on the vent line. You can call 772-245-0750 and leave your rants there. And uh, if you'd like, we, uh, we might use them on the air. So we were talking about the coronavirus in the last segment, and it turns out that this thing is really reaching, uh, well, I should say it's on the precipice of crisis levels here in this country. The CDC uh, came out with a statement yesterday, and I'll play that for you uh, shortly, uh, saying that this thing is uh, almost certainly going to break containment in the United States. On news of that, yesterday the markets fell. The Dow Jones Industrial was down another 900 points to to account for the, the greatest loss in the markets in about five years. We're still way up. Uh, up about, well, um, historic highs under the Trump presidency, but we have lost many of those gains. Yesterday in the Atlantic Magazine, a Harvard Harvard University epidemiologist named Mark Lipsitch predicted that the coronavirus will ultimately not be containable and within a year will affect between 40 and 70% of all of humanity. He says you shouldn't be too alarmed because many of those people won't have any severe severe illness or any symptoms at all. But uh, he does not think that the virus uh, can be contained and stopped. Viruses like SARS and MERS and the avian flu will eventually uh, that were eventually contained. Uh, That was in part because they were more intense and had a higher fatality rate. In other words, if you were infected by MERS or SARS, the chances were that you were going to die before you could infect large numbers of uh, other people in the community. But because this coronavirus is uh, uh, can be asymptomatic and you can be contagious without showing any effects, or at least very mild effects, you can walk around for days uh, infecting other people. That makes it very hard to trace and prevent. And so yesterday, um, there was, what was her name? Uh, Dr. Nancy Mezenor from the CDC on a conference call warning that uh, it it was likely uh, not going to be contained uh, even in the United States. Our containment strategies have been largely successful as a result We have very few cases in the United States and no spread in the community. But as more and more countries experience community spread, 
successful containment at our borders becomes harder and harder. Ultimately, we expect we will see community spread in this country. It's not so much a question of if this will happen anymore, but rather more a question of exactly when this will happen and how many people in this country will have severe illness. We will maintain for as long as practical a dual approach where we continue measures to contain this disease, but also employ strategies to minimize the impact on our communities. At this time, there is no vaccine to protect against this new virus and no medications approved to treat it. So Lipsitch is not alone in his uh, predictions that this is going to break containment. And uh, there's an emerging consensus that the, this, this virus will eventually morph into a, a, a regular seasonal illness. And uh, much like the flu. And epidemiologists, of course, are working frantically trying to come up with a, a vaccine for this virus they're calling it a novel coronavirus identified as covid covid19 and they're gonna they expect to have to add that to the flu season so i just want to encourage you to uh, to go ahead and take precautions now don't find yourself in the situation that they did in italy where they had run on the grocery stores and you weren't able to uh uh get uh, food supplies at a certain point. Go ahead now before the panic and uh, and stock up on some staples, uh, beans, rice, pasta, other things that you can keep because at some point you may not want to venture outside of your house. On yesterday's show, we covered a story about um, Judge Amy Berman Jackson holding a hearing on Roger Stone's request for a new trial. And that went forward yesterday. Judge Jackson did not issue a ruling. Uh, she she heard arguments on both sides, and she did that um, in a very prejudicial way against Roger Stone. Uh, seemed very critical and uh, skeptical of uh, these these uh, news stories that the f- jury forewoman had in fact lied during her uh, questioning to to get herself on that jury. And last night on Tucker's show, I'm looking for this clip desperately, uh, on Tucker's show, he pointed out that uh, not only was Amy Berman Jackson very um, hostile toward Roger Stone's legal counsel, but in fact, she called out Tucker Carlson's television show during her uh, commentary from the bench. This week on this show, we covered the sentencing of Roger Stone, who is perhaps the most undeserving of all the many casualties of the Russia collusion hysteria. Stone received more than three years in prison. He'll be over 70 when he gets out. Officially, his crime was lying about emails, emails that were themselves entirely harmless. From the first day, Stone's prosecution was a transparent political hit job. Washington wanted him imprisoned because, for 40 years, he was Donald Trump's closest political advisor. Amy Berman Jackson is the federal judge who oversaw the case. She was appointed by Barack Obama. She is an openly partisan Democrat. She's made no attempt to hide that. Jackson allowed the foreman of the jury to lie about her political background, which in a normal court of law would have disqualified her immediately. But Jackson let her stay and then defended her. 
that Jackson herself lied about the case. She claimed that Stone had been prosecuted because he, quote, covered up for the president, when in fact the charges against Roger Stone had nothing to do with that. Amy Berman Jackson is a disgrace to the judiciary. It's frightening that in a country like ours, she has power, and she does. We said that on this show last week. Today, during a hearing, Jackson attacked us. And once again, she lied as she did it. Jackson accused the show of, quote, invading the privacy of the foreman of the jury. When in fact, the juror herself has spoken publicly and revealed her own identity. Many media outlets published her name, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN, all of which, of course, Jackson approves of because they're on her side. Then Jackson accused the show of, quote, harassing the jurors, even encouraging violence against them. That is insane. Of course, we did no such thing. Finally, Jackson called our criticism of her, quote, antithetical to our system of justice, end quote, which proves that not only is Amy Berman Jackson corrupt, dishonest, and authoritarian, and she is definitely all of those things, she also has no sense of self-awareness whatsoever. It is totally inappropriate for a judge inside her courtroom to be taking notice and providing commentary on news coverage of a legal case before her at the same time, by the way, that she's got a gag order on Roger Stone, even after his conviction. But this, uh, this leftist bent has infected uh, the judiciary. The president with the able assistance of Mitch McConnell is busy turning this around, but there was another judicial, uh, kerfuffle that broke out yesterday. Um, the Supreme Court Justice uh, Sotomayor, in a dissenting opinion on the uh, the administration's appeal on the public rule charge change that uh, had been struck down in the Ninth Circuit Court uh, on a nationwide injunction, Sotomayor weighed in that uh, Donald Trump, by appointing conservative justices, were somehow politicizing the bench. And uh, Donald Trump, it, now it's completely inappropriate for her to insert that into a uh, judicial dissent, but it is not inappropriate for the president of the United States, who is an elected official, to comment on it, and the president did so. For the moment, you tweeted about Justice Sotomayor yeah. uh, yesterday, saying that she and Justice Ginsburg should recuse themselves from future cases dealing with the administration. That's John Roberts. What is the basis for your opinion on that? Well, it's very obvious. I mean, uh, I always thought that, frankly, that Justice Ginsburg should do it because she went wild during the campaign when I was running. I don't know who she was for. Perhaps she was for Hillary Clinton. I can believe it. But uh, she said some things that were obviously very inappropriate. She- well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us. And come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We will talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash YUM for details. 
This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.